magnify the Lord. That is to say, to make him known that, that she's, she's saying, uh, you need to see this. You need to understand. You need to get, you need to see what I'm seeing here. You need to know what's happening here because she knew this would be a blessing for her most certainly, but it would be a blessing for the whole world. This, this was it. The Messiah was coming. And so she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. This is, this, this is what you've got to see. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Uh, you need to, you need to rejoice with me. You need to be filled with the same kind of joy that I am. So I'm going to lay this, this out for you. What she wanted us to see was the faithfulness the faithfulness of God. Uh, he had made a promise. He, verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever, he had spoken uh, to, to the fathers. And she knew that by way of the, the scripture. She knew the scripture. So she knew that this promise had come to Abraham, that through his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. There's no doubt she knew even before that, that there had been a promise in Genesis chapter 3, that, 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 that one would come from the seed of the woman. Ooh. That would be very personal to her at this moment. Who would crush the evil one. She knew that's what was going to happen. This promise had been made. And she said, you need to see the faithfulness of God. We've been waiting this for generations. And now it really is upon us. She, she, she wanted everyone to see that in verse 49, that, that he's the mighty one, that he's strong, he's mighty. She wanted to see also that, that he's holy and, and, and his, the might of his holiness would be aimed against evil. But the good news was that he is also the one who is merciful and his mercy, verse 50, is for those who fear him. And so you see, she would say all of his might would be against evil, but in doing so, it would be for our good. He would actually spare us who are evil uh, because his, his, his might would actually free us from evil, from sin, and all of its consequences, from the guilt of it in our own lives, from the power of it in our own lives, from the presence of it ultimately in the world. And she said, this is what is, is, is happening here. And, and you, need to, you need to see that. I, I, want you to, I want you to see that. And then she said, we'll, we'll know this. I want to magnify the Lord and, and not myself. I want to magnify the Lord and no one else. Because you see, when he comes, what that will show to us is that it isn't by our wisdom. It isn't by our strength. It isn't by our riches, but by his. We're inadequate. He's adequate. We, we, we're wrong. He's right. He's, we're weak. He's strong. We're insufficient. He's sufficient. And she, she lays that out. She says, for instance, he scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. That is, those who think they know the way to bring peace on earth, when he comes, all will realize they didn't know the way. Only he did. You see. And then she says, he brought down the mighty from their thrones. All, all the mighty ones, the strong ones, the powerful ones, the ruling ones who thought, oh, yes, uh, we know the way and we're strong enough and powerful enough to bring peace on earth. Uh, when he comes, we'll all realize they weren't powerful. They couldn't do it. And not only that, he says the rich, he sends away empty, that is to say, that we think we're sufficient. We think we have all that's necessary to bring the kingdom of God. And, and he says, no, 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 no. When he comes, you'll realize you're bankrupt. You haven't got it at all. 
And so she says, I want to magnify the Lord. Why? Because he's the only one to be magnified. You've got to see him. He's the one who'll bring it. He's the one who'll bring peace on earth. And you realize that, that when we're converted, that is to say, when we come to faith, what we essentially do in our repentance is admit that we don't have the wisdom. We admit that we don't have the power. We realize that we haven't the sufficiency in order to bring peace. Peace on earth, peace in our own lives, peace with God. We haven't got it. That's what we're saying. We're saying that we need another to do this for us. That's this sense, really, of repentance. You see, in all the generations of the world, no matter how much wisdom we've acquired, still the truth is, our world is sadly, deeply flawed. It still, it still is. No matter how much wisdom, how much technology, how much anything we've, we have as human beings, the truth of the matter is we are still violent. We're still abusive. We're still involved in perversions in all kinds of ways and all kinds of things as human beings. We still enslave one another. We still live in bitterness and unforgiveness towards others. We still gossip. We're still malicious. I mean, think about the trouble in the world because of and through human beings. And so our wisdom, though we've acquired a great deal of knowledge and all of that, hasn't so power. Look at the strength that exists the world today through really human beings, yet still there isn't peace on earth. Look at the riches that we have, and yet still there isn't, we haven't been able to deal with the gut-level real problems and solve them in the world in which we live. And what Mary is saying, the one who is wise, the one who is powerful, the one who is all-sufficient is in her, is coming, will come. Thus, trust him. And what I want to do this morning, if God will help us, is I want to just take that, that notion that, that we developed last week, that when Christ coming de- demolishes the wisdom of the wise, he demolishes the power uh, of the strong, if you will. Uh, he comes and he shows us our bankruptcy, uh, uh, that we're unable. And what I want to do today is, is kind of take that through very practically, asking the question, how does that work out? Because you see, what we're to do in life, continuing in our life, is we're continue to continue to trust in the wisdom and the power and the righteousness of Christ and not our own. You see, that isn't something that just begins at conversion. When we come to faith, as I said, our repentance is that we say, I'm wrong, you're right, I'm weak, you're strong, I'm insufficient, you're sufficient, I'm bankrupt, you're the one I must depend upon. You see, Mary would know all that. I mean, Mary had had laid out the wisdom that we need, we haven't got. The strength that we need, we haven't got. The riches that we need, we haven't got. You see, because we haven't the wisdom to know the way, We haven't the power, really, to follow the truth. We haven't the righteousness that really brings life. So she would say of Jesus, here's the one who's the way, the truth, and the life. Trust in him. And and when we come to faith, 
We acknowledge that. We, we embrace that. We say, yes, that's true. I trust Christ. But it's important for us also to realize, and I know we do realize this, but to be reminded of this, that we never stop trusting in the wisdom of God. We never stop trusting in the power of God. We never stop trusting in His righteousness. In other words, we never start trusting in our own wisdom. We never start trusting in our own power. We never start trusting in our own righteousness. It isn't that, well, in conversion, all right, it's all set. Now I go my own way. No, 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 no. I continue to renounce my own wisdom and trust His. I continue to renounce my own strength and trust His. I continue to renounce my own righteousness and trust His. That's our life. As I mentioned during our time of confession, the, the way that this plays out in us is that we know all of that, but then we're prone to enter back into trusting our own wisdom or trusting our own strength or trusting our own righteousness. And so then we're caught back up as we come to the scripture and as we come to worship and as we come to bow before God and we realize, oh, I must repent and acknowledge again not my wisdom, but his, not my strength, but his, not my righteousness, but his. And so that's the sense of our life. So what I want to do today is just, just really come and ask the question, how does that really then work out in the context of, of our own lives? For instance, in this verse 51, Mary sings, He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their, of their hearts. And so for us, then we say, all right, I realize I mustn't trust my wisdom. Christ is the wisdom of God. So where do I learn this wisdom? How do I become wise in the things of Christ, you see? How do I become wise in the things of Christ? And the answer is that we go to the scripture to do that. For instance, in John, in chapter 5 and verse 39... John lays this out with Jesus speaking. Jesus says to this group of people, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me. And so you see, if we're going to have the wisdom of Christ, if we're going to know this wisdom, then we need to go to the scriptures. He was saying even then, if you only knew, really... You only knew the Old Testament scriptures. That's what they had then. If you know those scriptures, then you would know the wisdom of God that is in me. Because the scriptures speak of me. In other words, he's saying, if, if, if you would have really read them and really believed them, you would know that what is needed, that is what has to happen, what the plan of God is, is that one will come and crush the head of the serpent, that you can't, that another must come. That's very clear from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3, if chapter and verse had been laid out by then. In the very beginning of the books of Moses, you would know this. You would know the promise to Abraham that one would come from his seed and would, would bless all the nations of the earth. You would, you would know that. You would know from the Exodus that, 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 that what slaves need, those who are enslaved in bondage, what they need is a deliverer to come. You would know the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is that a deliverer would come, wait for him, trust in him. You, you should know that, that uh, 
through the law that there is righteousness. And thus, in order to live in the presence of God, you must have righteousness. So you would need to know the plan of God would to to bring this righteousness to you. You you would know that during the time of of the wanderings in the wilderness of of, of the Israelites, that provision would come from God, that you should trust him, that he would be your bread, the very bread of life. You would know that in entering the land, that God would be faithful to bring a land to you, that, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. You should know that by way of priests, that the wisdom of God is that you need someone to stand in your place as a righteous representative before God, that, that you can't, but, but, but well, one can, one should, one must stand in your place. You should know about the sacrifices that God is just, and the wisdom of God is that, that he won't pour out his justice upon you, but if you trust in him, he'll pour it out on another who doesn't deserve to die. But, but you, should, you should know that already. It, it should be a slam dunk when I come. You should know the wisdom of God. This is his plan. He's been laying this out through the scripture. If you'd been attentive, if you'd, you'd believe, then you you would, you would really see it. You should know from the prophets that one would come with the very truth of God on his lips. You should know from the kings that one will come and righteously rule on the throne of David. You should know all that. You should know the wisdom of God. And yet because of your sin, you, you don't. But for us, you see, as we come to say, what is the wisdom of God? How do I know it? Well, we, we must learn it by way, of course, uh, of the scripture. And then, then as... Jesus meets with his disciples in John chapter 16 and verse 12. We have this. This is the night that Jesus was betrayed. He was with his disciples on that last night. He was speaking to them of many things. And he says this. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that, that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I say to you, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, after I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. And his job in the Holy Trinity is to glorify Jesus, to glorify me, Jesus would say, that is to make me known. So what he's going to do is he's going to come and and declare all this to you, to teach you, what I have in time right now, which you wouldn't understand right now, he's going to come to these disciples, he's going to teach you, and, and so that you and others will know me. And so you see what happened in the midst of the Spirit coming upon them in that way to reveal to them is that they were able to write that which is true, and thus we have it in the Scripture. And so... Paul, the apostle, could write of this uh, scripture as he writes to his son in the faith, Timothy. In 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, he writes, All scripture is breathed out by God. Now that is a remarkable statement. Because what the apostle is saying is that what we have in the scripture has been spoken out, breathed out. The old word was inspired, better word, expired. (laughs) Comes out of the mouth of God. And so he says, if you want to know truth, the wisdom, if you want to know the way, if you want to know Jesus, then we must come here. 
because it's profitable for teaching. It instructs us for reproof. It, it points out where we're wrong for correction. It, it shows us the right way, training and righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. So the apostle Peter could speak of, of this scripture in this way, in Second Peter, in chapter 1. And he said, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you would do well to pay attention, as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God, God breathed, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Which is exactly what Jesus had promised. He promised the Holy Spirit would come. He promised he would teach them. And as they wrote, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so you see, as we come to this, to the scripture, what we have before us is the very wisdom of God, for it lays out for us our Lord Jesus Christ, the way. We must trust in him, that we can't, only he can, that he's the one who must come and Intercede for us, stand for us, be for us. So, the Proverbs puts it like this in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now in this verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. The words trust and lean are used in parallel fashion. That is, they could be used synonymously, if you will. One informs the other. That's a very helpful thing. You see, to trust is to lean. You see, when you lean, like, my preaching professors always told me not to do this, but I do it all the time. To lean, you see, is to be supported by. If you're in a bus or a subway, uh, those poles are very helpful. Because you can grab a hold of them or you can lean against them. And, and now if they're loose, they don't do you any good, right? But if they're tight and they can hold your weight... You lean against them. You, you don't, you're not relying upon your own ability to stand, but, but you're leaning, you're trusting in this one. And that's the sense of trusting. Trusting is leaning. Trusting is being supported by. Trusting is, is, not, is not trusting in your own wisdom in this sense, but, but in, in, in God's. He says, he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's a whole being thing. And lean not on your own understanding. Rather, in all your ways... Acknowledge him. Now, when he says acknowledge him, that isn't just a tip of the hat to say, okay, I acknowledge God. That little word acknowledge, acknowledge is the Hebrew word uh, yada, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it means to know. So when they say yada, 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 they mean, you know, you know, you know. But, 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 but really, reverently, seriously, they mean to know, to know God in all your ways. Know God. Now by that he means, in all your ways, knows, know what is pleasing to God. 
know what is the wisdom of God, you see. That's what we're to, to know, to acknowledge him, to know him. And you see, then he'll make your path straight. That is, he'll get you there. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. We all know this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, when we cease fearing our own wisdom, respecting our own wisdom, and we fear the Lord, then that's when we really begin to learn, to know. And and you see, what this means is, when I face my life, even after becoming a Christian, when I face my life, I'm always asking God, what do you think? See, this isn't an anti-intellectual pursuit at all. This doesn't mean we leave our brains at the door. It simply means that, that we, we reason and we think from the lens of Scripture and through the lens of Scripture. You see, we're created in the image of God, and He wants us to reason. He wants us to think. He wants us to know. He wants us to understand. In fact, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says, listen, being in relation with me, in relationship with me, is a complete engagement of your whole being. All of you. Your heart, all that that means. Your strength. Your mind. All of that is yielded to me. And the way that we yield our minds to God is to come to the scripture and ask him to teach us. Thus, Paul writes, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He's saying, acknowledge the Lord, know him. How do we do that? Our minds trained. How are our minds trained? By coming to the scripture and learning to think God's thoughts after him. You see, that's what it means not to trust, to lean on my own understanding, but to Trust to lean upon God, his wisdom. And we find that, you see, in the scripture. So when I'm living and I ask the question, what's my purpose in life? Well, I can have many thoughts about this and we can have tremendous discussions about this. But but really what we ought to do is go to the scripture and ask the question, God, who am I? Why am I here? The answer, quick one, is that we're to glorify him. We've been made in his image, so we're to reflect him. That, That gets us pretty far down the field, you see, just knowing that. Oh, so it isn't just to be happy. Well, yeah, it is to be happy, but but happiness comes by imaging, by reflecting, by glorifying God, you see. Oh, I see. That's how it comes. I mean, it doesn't come by significance in this life, by having everybody praise me. No, 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 no. It doesn't come by accumulation. No, 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 no. It doesn't come by status. No, 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 it really doesn't. It comes by reflecting him glorifying him and living 
the joy of that, you see. And when I think that, you know, I'm in this situation and telling a lie at the moment could really get me far. <laughs> I mean, nobody would know. I think I got this worked out. It would make me look way better than the truth is going to make me look. And so I could tell a lie and then, no, that's my own understanding, you see. And so I come to the scripture to find the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is truth. You see. Or I could just take this. Or I could cheat on this. Or, or I could whatever. And, 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 and who would know? And it would benefit me. And it really wouldn't hurt them that much. And, and then I come to the scripture. That's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is honesty. The wisdom of God is not stealing. In the context of, of, of marriage. I'm thinking in terms of, of divorce and because I'm, I'm unhappy in my marriage and, and should, should that be, that, that, that makes perfect sense to me, I might think. But, but then I come to the scripture and I go, no, 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 that's not the wisdom of God, you see. And so as a believer, I lean not on my own understanding, but I yield to the wisdom of Christ when he says, no, wait a minute. Your marriage is to reflect my relationship with you. I'm not leaving you. I'm being faithful to you. Oh, bless you. Or we think in terms of, of marriage. What, what, what if I'm attracted to someone of the same gender? And I think that makes perfect sense to me. I was born this way. Every inclination of my life goes in this direction. And, and, and that's my understanding. But then I come to the scripture and I don't lean on my own understanding, but on the on the wisdom of God, and I realized, no, that's, that's not wise and good. And so I repent. Or in terms of sexual intimacy, I, I think, well, I, I have inclinations towards that person and, 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 and attraction toward that person. Surely I could, I could be sexually intimate with that person, and, and that's my own understanding. But then I read in the scripture, and it says, no, 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 don't lean on your own understanding, lean on the wisdom of God who says sexual intimacy is blessed, is confined, is right and good in the context of heterosexual marriage. And so, oh, all right. You get the point. That, that, that's how this takes place, you see. My whole life, our whole lives are leaning not upon our own inclinations, not upon our own wisdom, but leaning on the wisdom of God and we find that you see in the scripture so when Christ comes and he says he's the wisdom of God you see what that means is we we go to him to define us to direct us and to find in him our our delight he's our power he's our strength he's the very strength of God we haven't the, the strength really to 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 overcome evil. Jesus did in the wilderness when, when he was, had been fasting and he met Satan there. He, he overcame evil. We haven't the power to do that. He is the truth, you see. But we are not. He overcame evil on the cross by his, by his death. Defeated death. The wisdom of God was to place our guilt upon him. The guiltless one. The sinless one. And he hate it because he's worth us all the very son of God and that he rose in triumph over all of that 
the strength of God. Where does this strength come? Well, it comes by way of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, uh, I will give you the helper. He'll be with you and in you. And so we know that as believers in Christ, you see, we're not alone, that he dwells within us, the very spirit of Christ. And so we have the very strength of Christ within us. Jesus said to his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll have power, power to witness, power to, power to live this out, really. So we know that we have this kind of strength. And so we live then relying upon, in utter dependence upon this, the very strength of God. And this strength comes by way still of his word. The the scripture says in Psalm 19 that the word of God revives the soul. Romans chapter 10, we read that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. As we hear the word, it strengthens our faith. It gives us strong resolve. Remember David when he faced Goliath, little scrawny kid. And yet what, what gave him the strength really to stand in front of Goliath. It wasn't the armor, because he couldn't fit into it, so he couldn't really wear that. It wasn't his weapons, because he couldn't carry the big swords and all of that, and he just had a slingshot. What gave him strength was knowing the covenant of God. What gave him strength was knowing that God was with him. What gave him strength was knowing that when Goliath attacked Israel, Goliath was attacking God. And so David thought, wow, God is with me. What gave Jehoshaphat the strength to face these enemies that were around him? King Jehoshaphat, there were enemies at every corner around him. And there he took his people and they sang praises to God. What gave him the strength in order to do that? What gave him the strength was that the prophet had come and given him the word of God, which was, this is not your battle, it's the Lord's. He'll fight for you. He knew that. And that gave him strength. Not only that, it comes through prayer. You know, as we pray, what we're doing really is we're admitting we can't. You do know that, don't you? Every time we pray, what we're doing is we're admitting we can't. We don't pray so much in order to tell God what to do. He really doesn't need us to do that. And my experience has been he doesn't always listen. You see. In fact, sometimes when I'm praying, I'm going, God, that's just my idea. If you have a better one, then echoes in the room. If I have a better one. Uh, but I'm praying to admit my need. God, help me. And in his graciousness, you see, as we come to pray, he gives us help tells us in Matthew chapter 7, ask, and you'll receive, you see. We must ask, you see. Seek and you'll find. Knock, and it will be open to you. In fact, we read another passage. That as we're asking, as we're seeking, and we're knocking, he says to us, who will... Will he not give his Holy Spirit to those who ask? You see, that's what we're really asking for. We're asking for the help 
the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit to enable us to live all of this out. You see, the power of God. And we pray. And, and, and then this righteousness. You see, in order to enter into the kingdom, we know that we need to be righteous. And so how can we be in our sin? Well, Paul writes to the church in Corinth this. He says, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, when Jesus died, he not only paid the penalty for our sin, but when he lived, he obeyed at every point for us. And so he gives to us, you see, his righteousness. And so what I do in my life, I don't do to be accepted by God ever. I do because I've been accepted by way of the very righteousness of Christ. Do you remember that scene that Jesus speaks of with this tax collector and this religious leader praying in the temple. And the religious leader, the Pharisee, beats his chest and he doesn't beat his chest. He's standing there before God with his hands raised and he's saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like all these other men because I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. And then there is this tax collector who does beat his chest. He's in the corner. His head is bowed. He's saying, God, have mercy upon me, the sinner. Jesus then asked the question, who do you think was justified on that day that is righteous before God? It wasn't the one who trusted in his own riches, if you will, all that he had done, but it's the one who trusted not in himself, but only in God. So you see, we never trust in our own wisdom. We never trust in our own strength. We never trust in our own righteousness, but rather, we always trust in Christ. See, Mary, Mary would know that. As she magnified the Lord, she said, I want you to know that I need a Savior. She said, I magnify the Lord, I rejoice in God, my Savior. She knew her own need. She knew her own sin. And when she knew this one was coming, she knew what it meant for herself and for the whole and for the whole world. And after this one who was born, lived, he met with his disciples after having been them with some for some years and he was at table with them and he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you the wisdom, the power, the righteousness of God. And in the same way, he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he gave this to his disciples and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me, what we remember. Huh. Not our wisdom, not our strength, not our righteousness, but his. Huh. Let's pray. Father in heaven, pray for me, for us.
that we would magnify you on this morning, even as we come to this table. And our coming to this table, it wouldn't be to announce our wisdom, our strength, our righteousness, but to declare yours and our dependence upon Christ. So I pray that you would take this bread, this juice, set it apart in such a way that we would know that we're in the very presence of the one who is the wisdom and power and righteousness of God. And as we come to this table, maybe maybe our declaration that we trust in him and him alone. Father, bless us as we come. In Jesus' name, amen. I remind you this table is not the table of grace. Evangelical Presbyterian Church, it's the table of the Lord. He invites to it all those who have renounced their own wisdom, their own way. All those who have renounced their own power and strength. All those who have renounced their own righteousness. That is, all those who understand themselves to be sinners in the sight of God without hope except in his sovereign mercy. And they receive and depend upon our Lord Jesus as he's offered to us in the gospel as the way, the truth, and the life, as our wisdom, as our strength, as righteousness to us. And all those who desire to live in such a way as is consistent with that profession of faith, which is to rely upon the wisdom, to rely upon the power, and to rely upon the righteousness of Christ alone. That's true for you. I invite you to come. And as you come, take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup. And as you do, to remind yourself this, that it's Christ who's the wisdom, the power, and the righteousness of God. These two sections can come down this aisle to my left. These two down this aisle to my right. And come and receive at the Lord's table. Please come.